Good morning. I would encourage you to, to uh, open your Bibles to Second Timothy chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I'll give you a little bit more about myself as I got to share with Earl and uh, Jim this morning. I am from Louisiana, uh, born and raised there. My wife is from, from Texas. We met in college. Uh, we got married two months later. We moved to California, right above San Francisco, where I attended seminary. And then right after seminary in 2011, I moved to Washington State, where we we moved to Washington State and became a pastor. I pastored in the state of Washington for six years. Uh, And then over the last year, year and a quarter, we've been living here in Arkansas. The Lord has uh, seen fit to move us. Uh, So we've been attending and become members at University Baptist Church. And I'm one of the, the interns, so I'm seeking to grow and learn more about the ministry and appreciate the opportunity this morning to be here. And it's been our pleasure, as Earl said earlier to us, it's been a pleasure for us to be here uh, and to fill the pulpit for you guys. And uh, we'll gladly do it again if there's need. So we're in Second Timothy chapter 1. Um, let us go to the Lord in prayer now. Father, you tell us that you are our refuge and strength according to your word in Psalm 46.1. You tell us in Proverbs 18.10 that you, your name is a strong tower and that we can run to you and be safe. Father, you tell us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, that Christ remains faithful to us even when we are faithless towards him. Father, we give you praise for all these things. We give you praise that you are a refuge and our strength. We give you praise that you are a strong tower that we can run to. We give you praise for being our rock, our our rock of salvation. Lord, we know that you are great. Just thinking about the child's prayer, that you are great, you are sovereign, you are in control, you are present in all things. Lord, but at the same time, you are good in that you are loving and compassionate and merciful. And full of grace. Lord, so we give you praise this morning for all of these things. That you are God and we are not. And that we can come to you and trust in you. And find refuge and strength. And be encouraged. And Lord, we ask all these things in Christ's name this morning. Amen. I heard on the radio the other night... um, where the special guest was talking to the DJ of this story of, of, of great encouragement. Joni Erickson Tata wrote this special guest a letter. Now, some of you may not know who Joni Erickson Tata is. She is a renowned author and speaker who happens to be a quadriplegic. At a young age, uh, Joni had a diving accident and broke her back and became paralyzed from the waist down after that. But she did not let that hold her back. She has inspired many and encouraged many in their suffering and their pain. This lady, Joni, wrote a letter to this special guest that was on the, on the show, on the radio. It was a letter of encouragement to, to this particular gentleman and his family because they, they found themselves in a difficult situation a trying time of their family. And he was wild by the fact that Joni remembered him from a, 
a previous conference. But he's even more floored because of her writing to him. Because in his mind, she was in a far worse situation than he was. Yet she was the one writing to him and encouraging him. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, very similarly, we find Paul who is awaiting his imminent death while in prison. And he writes. He writes to his spiritual son, Timothy, to encourage him in the faith as he is hard-pressed in the ministry. And it's not a letter with, as with a help, self-help message, excuse me. As in that you can trust in yourself or you can look within to find your answers. But no, it was a letter of promise, a promise of life, and one of faith that is found in Jesus. Are you and I in need of encouragement today? Have you found yourself in a difficult spot where you need a word of encouragement? Now, this is a real challenge for us today, and especially in our day and age. I'll pause there. That is not the first time that a child of mine has ran forward during the sermon. (laughs) It's not that one. The real challenge for us in this day and age is where we will find our encouragement. What will we seek to, to seek to find encouragement? Where will we go? Will we go into lesser things? Will we... Will we seek to satisfy ourselves and, and find encouragement and comfort in the things of this world? If I only had a new car, if I only had a promotion and a new job or a different boss. Or maybe it's, it's something else. Maybe it's, it's social media, maybe it's television or video games that we, we want to just forget about the reality of our life. Forget about our situation. We seek refuge and encouragement in other things, in lesser things. Or will we look and find encouragement in Christ this morning? So really the big idea that I want to present to you this morning that Paul writes to encourage Timothy to be strong in the faith. And we too can find encouragement as we look to the promise that is in Christ Jesus. So just to give us A little context. Well, let me read the passage and then we'll do the context. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first with your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Just a little context here, as I mentioned earlier, awaiting his imminent death, Paul, a seasoned veteran, is is in prison in Rome, and he is writing to Timothy, his beloved son, who is in Ephesus, to encourage him to remain faithful in the ministry by following the sound pattern in the word and preserving, or excuse me, persevering in the gospel in spite of suffering and turmoil. 
This letter was uh, written somewhere between the, the year of A.D. 64 and 68 during the reign of the Roman Empire, Emperor Nero. If you're a note taker this morning, the, the points are simple. A seasoned salutation, a seasoned relationship, and a seasoned faith. A seasoned salutation, a seasoned relationship, and a seasoned faith. So in verses 1 and 2, we see a seasoned salutation. Paul communicates a gospel-seasoned salutation to Timothy. In these initial verses, we are, uh, we are introduced to the key people, that is Paul and Timothy. Paul begins uh, just as a normal Hellenistic approach to writing where the author states his name and then to whom he is writing. Paul affirms his apostleship in the first line as he often does in in most of his epistles, with the exceptions of First and Second Thessalonians, where he doesn't use any title for himself, Philippians, where he calls himself a servant rather than apostle, and lastly in Philemon, where he calls himself a prisoner. So we see nine out of thirteen of Paul's letter, he refers to himself as an apostle. So just so there's no confusion, we must first understand what is an apostle then. An apostle literally means to be sent or a sent one. So with that definition, all Christians could claim the title of apostle if we consider Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. But actually the meaning of apostle is much narrower than that. To be considered an apostle, one would have to have been taught by Jesus personally and sent out by him directly. The 12 disciples that Jesus called to follow him when he started his mission, or excuse me, ministry, were called apostles. And according to Luke chapter 6, verse 13, it says, And when day came, he called his disciples, that is Jesus, and he chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. They were the original sent ones. They were the ones who sat on Jesus' teaching, and they are the ones who had seen him face to face. So by using the title Apostle, Paul puts himself in this company of the Twelve, the original Twelve. And like the original Twelve, Paul has, has been, had the opportunity himself to learn from Jesus and be sent out by him. If we remember Acts chapter 9 on the Damascus Road, when, when Paul meets Christ and has, has that conversion experience, and in that as well, Paul is given the apostolic authority from Jesus to minister to the Gentiles. Although a part of them, Paul considered himself at least, the least of the Gentiles, excuse me, of the apostles. Because of his former life, he was actually on the road to Damascus to persecute the church. So he thought himself to be the the least of the apostles because of what he, he did and had done to the church. Paul mentioned this title not to flaunt his own authority, but to proclaim the gospel promise, as he says in verse 1, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. This promise was most likely on the forefront of his mind as he waited his impending death. The promise of life was given to him, that is Paul, through Christ on that Damascus road as we just talked about. By mentioning it here in this first verse, 
He is encouraging Paul through this same method, this promise of life in Christ. This promise was, is given to all, also is given to all who would believe on the name of Christ Jesus. This promise of life in Christ was encouraging for himself as he thought about his death, and it was also for his beloved son, for timid Timothy. But it is also a promise of life for us. How so? For those who would believe and trust in Christ, that he is faithful. As his children, he, he will be faithful to us. Just as I spoke earlier in, in chapter 2, verse 13, even when we are found faithless, Christ remains faithful. We can be encouraged that if we understand who Christ is and believe in that promise of life, that we too will be encouraged. We too will be able to face death as Paul was. We too will be able to face uh, difficult situations and suffering as Timothy did. In verse 2 we see Timothy, the recipient of Paul's letter. Timothy wasn't any old recipient, but... He was, this, he was considered Paul's son, his beloved son. Paul and Timothy had a long-standing relationship where they had served alongside one another. Through their time together, Paul had become a spiritual father to Timothy and Timothy a son to Paul. In his first letter to Timothy, we see this relationship just as clear when Paul calls Timothy his true child in the faith. Now, it's not too far removed for us to understand this. You've probably heard the the phrase, she is like a daughter to me, or I'm like a son to him. I'm reminded of a co-worker who more or less became adopted into his best friend's family. He hung out with his friend and his family so much that the family's thoughts and affections for him changed from one who was on the outside to one who was on the inside. Rather than just one of his, their son's friends, he became like a son to them. The same thing and more occurred in Paul and Timothy's relationship. Now, it is quite possible that through Paul's ministry, Timothy came to faith. But it's more certain that we know that Timothy worked alongside Paul as an apprentice, if you will. Specifically here, the church that, that Timothy's at, Paul had planted or started himself. Paul now, in his final letter, as he approaches death, writes this letter to his spiritual son to encourage him to stay strong in the faith. Now, I'd encourage us to look a little closer here in verse 2, part B, that Paul does this in a little different way than what he does with other letters. Paul, in his generic greeting, typically writes grace and peace to you. In this epistle, Paul adds an additional word to his salutation. This time he includes the word mercy. Now you might say, what's so special about one word? Have you ever asked for something and failed to say, please? Have you ever been denied something because you didn't ask your your parents and use that, that one word? I know it's a big word at our house we're trying to to teach our children to say please, uh, to, to teach them to be polite and to grow, uh, to understand, to respect. And, but if we also consider 
just a, our, our day at work. Have you ever forgotten your password to, to log in at work? Or have you ever forgot your password to log into your bank account? See, we're not too far, far through from this either, that one word does carry a lot of significance. So with this addition of mercy, these words give a clearer gospel progression, a picture, if you will, of God's love. God gives grace to those who are in desperate need of salvation. God shows mercy to the guilty who deserve His wrath. God gives peace to those who repent and believe, that is, to trust in His Son. If you haven't noticed at this point, the salutation is seasoned with the salt of the gospel. It is seasoned with the promise of life that Paul speaks of in his greeting. It is seasoned with gospel encouragement. So if you didn't think there was a close relationship between Paul and Timothy before, just listen to their seasoned relationship in verses 3 through 4. This is the second point I want us to see this morning. The first point was a seasoned salutation. The second is a seasoned relationship. Paul has a gospel concern for Timothy. It's a gospel-seasoned relationship. Again, the seasoning here is that has, excuse me, again, the seasoning here that has made the relationship exceptional, exceptional and distinctive is the gospel. Because of Paul's faith in Christ and his love for God, he is compelled to love others. This is the first and greatest commandment that we see Jesus speak of in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, where it says, Teacher, which is the greatest command in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So Jesus sums up in two commandments all the law and the prophets. He said, love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Those who have trusted in God for salvation through Christ's substitutionary atonement love God. That is, this vertical love, this first commandment that Jesus has just talked about. And then... There goes the love for others, for their neighbor, this horizontal love, this second commandment as he speaks of. See, Paul, he loves Timothy. He loves Timothy because he he has first loved God. And God has compelled him through that love to love others, specifically Timothy. Because of Paul's seasoned relationship with Timothy, he prays, for him continually, as we see in verse 3. He says, I, am rem- I am remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. Now this is the same Paul, we, we're not struck by this, because this is the same Paul who tells us to pray without ceasing in First Thessalonians. See, it's because of the affection Paul has for Timothy, he is constantly on Paul's mind. Now, there is no doubt there are other reasons for Paul's concern for Timothy and that he prays for him. Paul understands his ministry situation and knows the spiritual and physical anguish of Christian ministry. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 28, Paul gives an account of some of his own difficulties that he's faced. He says, five times I have received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was drift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city and danger in the wilderness, danger at sea and danger from frost brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, and often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me for anxiety for the churches. So Paul is very acquainted with the difficulty of ministry. So there's Obviously, there's other reasons why Paul is writing to him, not only because of this love that he has for God that compels him to love Timothy, but he is compelled to write to Timothy to encourage him because he knows the very situation that he's experienced or is experiencing. Paul knows intimately the physical and spiritual suffering of ministry. And because of this, he demonstrates a great love and concern for Timothy by praying for him night and day. Now let me probe a little bit and and ask you some questions. When was the last time you thought of something all night and all day where you couldn't get it out of your mind? What was it? Were you excited about an upcoming trip to go to Disney World? Were you excited about that opportunity to finally have a vacation or to purchase that new vehicle or to be close with family again over the holidays. When was the last time has been for spiritual matters? We can easily let the desires and the cares of this world flood our hearts and minds, but there tends to be the difficulty. Excuse me. But there tends to be difficulty when it comes to spiritual things. Let me ask another question. In thinking about how Paul has asked us to pray from Second Thessalonians, to pray without ceasing, and how he has demonstrated he has prayed for Timothy night and day, are we burdened to pray? Are you burdened to pray for someone other than yourself? And I say that, to be very pointed, we often will pray for ourselves. As we, we go to bed at night and teach our kids to pray, often that is a normal way that they, be, they pray at night. They pray about wanting to have a good day tomorrow and, and wanting to have fun. And it, it, it seems to, to focus in on themselves. And that is very our human nature to think that way. We, we naturally will think about ourselves than we think before we think about someone else. Hence the question, when is the last time you prayed for someone else? We may be gifted with other means, like money or wealth. But if we do not pray for those who we give give to, how do we know that our heart is in the right place? I want you to see it, that is in prayer where we get to a concrete 
look at what truly matters to us. Ashamedly, we will give half-heartedly to others and to needs. But in prayer, we will learn where our true hearts are. If we are love another, or do we affectionately care for them? So I encourage you to have a godly concern for your church and to pray for your church. I encourage you to have a godly concern for your pastor and his family and pray for them. I encourage you to have a godly concern for each other and pray for one another. But don't stop there. Have a godly concern for those who are supporting through your missions and pray for them. Pray for your own family. Pray for those who you want to see that come to salvation. Too often we, we give up on prayer too quickly. Oh, I've prayed five minutes. Which uh, sometimes that does seem like a long time. But if, if we were to compare that to how long we look at our phones, we would be ashamed of ourselves. I know I am. I have this, for whatever reason, I don't know how this app got on my phone, but it tells me weekly how many, how many hours and up to the minute how, how long I've been on my phone. Almost three hours this week, which is wild. It's like, how does that even happen? But how often will we pray and how long will we pray for those who we say we care about? Is there a discrepancy there? Is there a contradiction there? Or do we really love them? In verse 4, Paul says that he remembers Timothy's tears and he longs to see him, that he may be filled with joy. Paul's relationship is seasoned with the gospel. And evidently in the one that is of their last meetings, there were tears as they departed. Maybe it was before... Paul was taken off to jail, or maybe for some other reason. Yet this memory of Timothy makes Paul all the more want to see him and to be filled with joy. Next we see is a seasoned faith. Paul reminds Timothy that his faith is genuine and secure in the gospel of Christ. Now up to this point, Paul has used the word reminder twice. He says, I remember you constantly in my prayers in verse 3. I remember you, your tears in verse 4. And now Paul uses a derivative of remember when he says, I am reminded in verse 5. What he is reminded of, he is reminded of Paul's sincere, that is genuine, faith. Timothy's faith that Paul is reminded of has been demonstrated over and over again through the years of service together. Paul has seen Timothy's faith displayed in ministry as they ministered together in Philippi. He can remember when when they ministered together in Thessalonica and Corinth and even Ephesus together. Each time when Paul writes letters to these particular churches, he mentions Timothy as well. Timothy had ministered alongside Paul. So Paul is assured 
of Timothy's, Timothy's faith. Though Timothy's faith is real, it is not always felt that way. And I think we can, we can understand that. At times in our own lives, when, when we know that we truly believe in God and we believe in Christ and we have been redeemed by the blood of Christ and we have become part of the family of God, there is time still where we have doubt, where we feel just depressed, or where we feel overwhelmed by our circumstances. We too may know that our faith is real, but we may have concern of what's happening. At times we have doubt, at times we waver. At times we become grieved over our sin and how we ask ourselves, how can I ever have done such a thing? Are you like Timothy? Where you need a word of encouragement. Has there ever been a time where you needed a word of encouragement from someone? Have you ever found yourself in a difficult life situation where you just needed someone to speak to you? An encouraging word. Maybe it was a time of disappointment in your family. A loss of a family member or an illness. Maybe it was a time of financial hardship where the bills kept coming in but the bank account was low. Maybe there was a failure at work. Maybe you missed a deadline or you couldn't answer your boss when he asked a question. Can you think of a time when a much needed word of encouragement was actually spoken to you? Maybe it was someone who just said, hey, you've been on my mind this week. I've been praying for you. Hey, you've been on my mind. I've been thinking about you. Do you want to go grab lunch? It's in those little and short moments that we can find encouragement because someone has taken the time to say something to us. We see that very thing here. Paul is taking time to write Timothy, to encourage him to stay strong in the faith. What do you think this does for Timothy as he hears this from his mentor, his spiritual father? If Timothy was doubting, maybe, possibly, he's encouraged and reassured of his faith. Maybe if he was feeling overwhelmed by ministry ministry obligations, he would have lifted spirits. If Timothy had felt discouraged and even depressed about how the church was doing, possibly this would be a much-needed encouragement from Paul. This, This word from Paul would have bolstered Timothy's faith. Sometimes we just need others to share that word. You're a good mom. You're a good husband. You're caring. You're intelligent. Your faith is sincere. As Paul says to Timothy. But Paul doesn't stop there. Paul Paul goes on to explain something here, a spiritual heritage, if you will. In verse 5, he he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. What Timothy now possesses 
was first possessed by his grandmother and his mother. His faith had been passed down to him through the faithful witness of his family. Now this may be some of our our own experiences, where we had a godly mother and father who brought us to church, who gave a good witness for us to follow, and, and through that witness, through that encouraging testimony of their lives, we too became a Christian. We too trusted in Christ for salvation. But maybe you're more like myself, where your parents didn't give a very good gospel witness or or didn't live out the faith that they said that they had. Well, the joy is for us is that we don't necessarily have to have godly parents in order to still believe or to be encouraged. We have one who has walked this world in a very perfect way. He's... He stepped down or he stooped, as some would say, from heaven and has come to earth in the form of a child. And he's lived a perfect life. The one that we were called to live if we were to to live up to God's law. But he didn't stop there. He gave his perfect life for us. That he would die on the cross for our sins. That we would have eternal life. If we would repent and believe. So just as I have done just now, communicated the gospel to us, to you, I'm reminded of Romans 10, verses 14 through 17. It says, How then will they call on Him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach. Good news. But they have all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We may not have the best examples in our parents. We may not have a spiritual mentor as Timothy did, but we can look to Christ today. We can look to Christ and His promise of life and be encouraged that this life will end, but we can continue to live in the heaven that we sung sung of earlier. So we've seen the The big idea, Paul writes to encourage Timothy to be strong in the faith. And we too, this morning, if we trust in Christ, in that promise of life can be encouraged as well. We can have that gospel relationship with Christ. So let me close in prayer and then I think we'll have one more song. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the promise of life that is given to us in Christ. Lord, that he he would give himself completely in obedience to you, Father. 
Lord, he would give himself completely because he loved us. Lord, let us understand that and be encouraged that whatever situation we find ourselves in, let us run to Jesus and seek him and not the lesser things. Let us trust in Christ and be encouraged that though death be before us, eternal life is afterwards. Lord, we give you all the praise and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.